Lord have mercy, look at how the time goes. And welcome everybody to the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I am your host, John Allen. And today I have a rather dynamic guest, a musical guest, and her name is Trisha Boutet. Hello, Miss Trisha. Hello. Good now you, morning. Yeah. Now we, we, we got our coffee, we got our little morning water, and uh, we're going to warm up our voices. You're going to be singing later on tonight, right? Oh, no. To, actually, yes. I'm going to, uh, I'm having my first virtual concert. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. So, so for my listeners, Miss Trisha is a uh, musician originally from New Orleans, a jazz singer, correct? From yes. New Orleans, uh, living here in Norway. So we are two <laughs> who are a little bit yeah. out of place, but we're making our way here in Norway. How are things going for you, Miss Trisha? What do you? Uh, how have, you've been here almost, or you've been here as long as I have, eighteen years, right? Yes, yes, I have. What can you tell me about um, your experience here? Um, coming from the United States, especially the situation now and my situation for many years, I was born with uh, an immune deficiency. So I have quality of life here. The healthcare system is outstanding. Yes. The social system is outstanding. Yes, it is. My music life pre-plague was <laughs> outstanding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I get to work with really really amazing musicians you know you you have you and i have just met we literally just met yesterday yes. um but i you have a name for yourself i have heard of you um before our mutual friend uh introduced us or, or put us together online so you yes. you have you have been doing this music thing so you're you're feeling it now with the with the isolation and the quarantine and whatnot <laughs> I'm feeling it in a big way. Yeah. I go to the dark place when I'm when I'm not working because I tour constantly. I'm going. I'm on the road. Constantly. That is your livelihood. That is my livelihood. It has been for the past uh, 35 years. So for it to all just stop, and yeah. I mean like literally stop. I'm you know I've in in one day. Uh, a month ago, in one day, I had 19 gigs canceled in one 19 day. 19 gigs canceled. In one day. That's that's not total of everything, but just in one day, the impact of it. Talk about a waterfall like a of, of change. Bricks. Yeah, talk about oh. a waterfall of change. Well, I said a waterfall, you said a ton of bricks. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, it felt, yeah, it felt, yeah. That's what it felt like. It felt like a building had fallen on me. I can only imagine. I mean, that is, and let, let me ask you this. Now, Norway is known for having its good social programs. You know, they take care of people who are unemployed. Uh, there's a lot of programs that help people to find employment. Uh, uh, have you fallen between the cracks? Because I know a lot of people who run their own business, especially an arts-related business, and they're falling through the cracks. They're finding out that some of these social programs don't apply to them. Have you? I am one of those people. Wow. Yeah. I'm one of those people. I'm making it right now on doing uh, online streams and, and hawking my, you know, physical and digital uh, music inventory. Uh, I'm one of the few fortunate ones. My husband has a good job. Uh, so, you yeah. know, I, you know, well, my husband, yeah, he's, you know, so he's working. So the bills are covered. Good, good. I'm running through savings on my end quickly. Wow. Now the live the, the live stream thing, you've had 
you've had a little run. Is it what is it? Every Monday you've been doing a live. Um, before that, I was doing a pretty frequent thing called Afternoon Tea with TD. TD is my nickname. It's a, m- most of my musicians and family and close friends. They call me TD. TD, yeah. And I had been doing Afternoon Tea with TD, and uh, but it was. But I'm a singer. I don't accompany myself. Right. So you, you depend. Nails is too long yeah, for piano. Those aren't piano nails. Those are not piano nails. <laughs> no. So I was, you know, I would, I would chat a bit, and I would sing some songs a cappella. Well, people found that wonderful and interesting, but it was getting me in my head, and I was, it was getting me nowhere. Right. I see. Until my piano player from New Orleans, who is in New Orleans, he was like, you know what? You're enough of a little tech whiz. Why don't you? I'll record video myself playing the piano parts. You pull them up on screen somehow or even just show just have the music playing and sing songs. He said, and then we'll do a chat about the songs that you're going to sing for this particular week. Right. Right. And we'll put that up on the screen as well. So the first time we did it, it was a hit. How many viewers? From home, huh? how, how many viewers are you getting? Are you able to track how um, many people are watching? Um, the, the the people watching fluctuates, mm-hmm. especially because it's he and I and a lot of our folks watch it in New Orleans and then rewatch it afterwards. later. Yeah, yeah. But it's been getting you know a thousand or so views. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't. It's not that high when it's live going on. But over time, it adds up. Yes, a lot of people are watching and a lot of people are sharing. A lot of folks are sharing it. And and folks, some folks are donating, the ones who can. Well, it's it's encouraging. You know, there's a lot of misery and a lot of people are suffering. A lot of artists and musicians are suffering. But one thing I do see is some of them are really going all out on the technical side with these live streams. I mean, it can be something as simple as a, a recording of of the the, the music comp, uh, the music um, uh, composition in the background, and then a vocalist singing. But some of them are doing this, I, and I don't know because I'm not a technical wizard at all. It's all a bunch of witchcraft and sorcery to me. I don't know how these things, but some of these people have. Um, you know, they have four and five musicians on at the same time, and somehow they're linking them up on a video, okay, and it sounds like they're going on. We're doing that a lot, also, but it's recorded. I see, I see. Because you know, it's funny. Me and my piano player talked about that on on our very first live stream that we did together. People see these a video of four people on at one time, and they're like, they're doing it. Yeah. No, they're not. It's record pre-recorded. Because I'm doing it with some um, the musicians that the ones that I was last on tour with in Tenerife <laughs> that had a big <sighs> outbreak. I got back home literally the day after. Okay. They quarant so anybody that was in uh, Tenerife, you got to be quarantined. I got here that you know just before that happened. Wow, lucky the day before it happened. Good timing. So. Yeah, so uh, my musicians that I was working with there, one is in France, two are in different parts of Great Britain. Okay, and but we have a lot of videos. But how do you guys splice it together? It's it's recorded, you say, but you guys are in different locations. Yeah. Well, first the guitar player. I'm giving out the the, the trade secrets now. No, just kidding. <laughs> I want I want other musicians to be able to do this. I'm the taking notes. Player, the guitar player. Yeah, the guitar player goes first. Yeah. With a click track in his ear. 
he sits down and videos and records himself at the same time playing the guitar track. Okay. Then he sends it on with the click track sound still to the bass player. And then he lays his... And the bass player videos and lays down himself playing the part. Then they send it on to Adrian. He's our clarinet and saxophone player. Then uh-huh. he puts his part. Then they send the audio, just the audio file to me. And then you lay I your vocals on. I sit down and on. sing it and give my part. Then our guitar player, it's very either all kind of apps where you separate the audio yes. from that video. Yeah. He mixes the audio and then he sends all of the videos over to the bass player. He's the one who's good with the visual part. Uh-huh. And at the beginning of the song, before we start playing in the video, all of us do a count off. One, two, three, four. A visual clap. Yeah. So Sebastian knows exactly where to line up the video. And then he cuts There the you off. go. Okay. So people look and say, well, I see other people. No, you see other people in videos, my darling. Well, you have well, just... See with- <laughs> no, I was going to say, you have just educated this technological caveman right here. Because I, I, <laughs> I just don't understand <laughs> that stuff. You're doing podcasts, man. Yeah, but Come I'm a musician. Too. Yeah, but I'm a musician too. And the, yes, mus- the and the musician thing is, you know, I'm doing a podcast. You know, you and I are we see each other on video. But I'll tell you this, I don't know how to record this video and splice it together with my studio sound. I don't know how to do that. That's why my podcast Ooh. is audio only. I don't know I how might to do be it. Able to give you some tips. Well. If you want to, I, you know what? I, I want to try that. You know, I, I don't know. I've, I've gotten, I've gotten advice on both sides. There's some people who say you're, you're, if you have an audio only podcast, you're going to have more listeners because people can listen to that while they're driving, you know, while they're in rush traffic on the way into Precisely. work. Whereas a video, of course they have to be sitting there watching it. And some people do that. But people are saying that most, you know, a majority of the people are just listening. So maybe I'm fine with just the audio. Maybe I I'm fine. I think that they're right. I think that they're right. You think Especially so? right now, John, because I'm finding that people, the situation has people stressed. Yes, it does. Which limits their attention span for sitting down watching. Exactly. Okay. They will listen. Yeah. When it's something where they, you know, they only have to listen, I think it helps them. I, you know, if, if it ain't broke, there's nothing to fix. Don't so fix. I guess I'm going to just keep going with the audio. Um, there was a couple, maybe the first three or four episodes, I was very frustrated because I want, I just had this image in my mind of having the video podcast. I want that video podcast. But since then, you know, I'm doing it this way, just audio and it's going just fine getting more listeners every week so um yeah i'll just keep on marching on with what i'm doing then don't change a thing (laughs) you know what miss trisha says don't change anything i'm not gonna change anything (laughs) (laughs) now how how did you get from how did you get from new orleans to norway that's a long walk <laughs> it's this is a hell of a long walk and lots of water to deal with. Lots but, of water to deal with. <laughs> lots of water. Um, I uh, 
Norwegian uh, jazz musicians and New Orleans have had a very, very, very long history together. Yes, they have. Uh, the Scandinavian countries and New Orleans have had a very long history together. Because New Orleans is a port city, yep. Scandinavian sailors, Norway, Denmark, Sweden, uh, were always in New Orleans. My wife's, my wife's uncle, an uh, older gentleman up in his uh, middle 70s, uh, a sailor all his life, talks very often about port stops in, in New Orleans. Yeah, we even had, up until uh, just a couple of years ago, we had a Norwegian Siemens church that was there for over 100 years. That's right, yeah. So uh, it's, it's a very close relationship there. And uh, I come from a singing family. Do you? Okay. Yes, there are, there are uh, six professional vocalists in my family that are really well known to you know to the to the uh, wow. jazz scene especially the new orleans traditional jazz scene so you've got and it so in the blood from, yeah so musicians were there a lot and they knew about us and uh a band from norway had come i had already been uh traveling to europe a lot but a band from norway come had come to new orleans and they were looking for me yeah, you mean spe spe specifically looking for you, trying to trace you down. Yeah, yeah. that's something. Because they were having a hard time. They knew I, I was spending a lot of my time in Finland working with some bands there, and they were like, "Okay, that's right next door. Yeah, we have yeah. to find her." Yeah. So I just happened to be sitting in the piano player I was talking about. I happened to be sitting in on the set he was playing on. Because it was during uh, new, the jazz festival, uh, New Orleans Jazz and Heritage, Heritage Festival. During that time of the year, there's never any place to park because there are literally <laughs> half a million people in yeah, town yeah, for the yeah. festival. So he said, drop me off, me and my keyboard off at the club because there's nowhere for me to park. And we're going to be done at this time. Pick me up. Jazz sets in New Orleans are never done at this time. That ever. doesn't work. But no. I listened yeah. like an idiot. <laughs> and I come back, he wasn't done. So I'm sitting in the back of the club looking like, come on, I'm double parked outside. And the leader of the band goes, oh, Trisha's here. She's going to come up and sing a song. I was like, no, that's not why I'm here. Nobody told Trisha. You don't do that. You go up and you sing a song. Yeah, yeah. And when I finished singing the song, these uh, gentlemen came up to me and he said, we have been looking for you for the past two years. And I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> he said, we want you to come to Norway. And I was like, okay. Uh, I gave him my information. I didn't think about it again. <clears throat> a year later, I got the phone call. We want you to come to Norway. We're going to record a CD, and then you're going to come back in the summer, and we're going to go on tour. Okay. They had it all planned out. They had it planned out. We did that CD recording together the first tour, and we have been together ever since. Now, 18 what years. <clears throat> Yeah, I was going to ask you what year is that first CD, but that ni 19 years ago, 2001. Okay. Yes. And the band <clears throat> is Utrecht Julian's Jazz Ensemble. Say that again for the non-Norwegian listeners. Utrecht Julian's Jazz Ensemble. There you go. There you yeah, go. Yeah, and they have their first trip to New Orleans as a band to play at the Jazz Fest was in 1976. Oh, wow. So these are some people with a little bit of experience then. Yeah, and they've done, like in New Orleans, uh, there's one original member left in the band, the man who started it, Einar Ulrich. He's 83 years old. Wow, that's awesome. Still doing it. 
and Still he's got more it. energy than all of us. But what the <laughs> older guys have done over the years, it's like what they do with the traditional jazz band in New Orleans. They find a young, talented musician and say, when they feel like they're slowing down, okay, you come, I'm going to train you how to do this, and then you take my place. Isn't that a beautiful thing? They keep the they keep the legacy going within that band. They keep that tradition alive. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And soon we're going to be celebrating 46. We're 46 years now going into Syria. Ah, that's just beautiful. That's just yeah. beautiful. There's not a lot of bands. You know, people think that you have to be like this world known thing, you know, like the Rolling Stones or somebody like that. But there are other bands and other genres that have been together just as long or longer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the thing is, is people are like, oh, your, your audience is getting old. Well, what can you say? Yeah, what do you have to say about that? Are there young people who are into jazz? Is there a good crowd of young people? We have uh, three guys in the band who are just hitting their 30s. Well, there you go. Yeah. And not only that, have you noticed how fashionable it is now to dress in clothes from that period and oh, yeah. swing and yep. Lindy Hop dancing? Yep. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I just posted a video. I just posted a video on my Facebook feed of uh, the Lindy Hop dancing. I just did that yesterday. That is some cool stuff. Yeah. And that's a, there's a cool thing that goes on. There's a, a piano player. He's from Great Britain, living in Oslo uh, for, for many, many years. His name is David Skinner. And he has a thing that he's been hosting. Well, soon to be hopefully again called cafe society that he hosts in uh, at a small club a small theater in oslo okay. and he is traditional jazz and swing music lindy hoppers come there the old the old folks with with you know snow on the rooftop the silver <laughs> hair like me they are mixed in with the young folks he has like a painter on stage painting while the oh, set is wow. going on or a tap dancer coming and joining on songs he has made it like like an old school kind of cotton club right back when they combined different art forms in one show wow, how cool exactly. is that exactly and, and they're bringing the, the old folks and the young folks together and the old folks are loving seeing the young folks out and the young folks are loving sitting down talking to the older folks about right. how long they've been listening to this music well, that's a, that is a classic melting together of generations that ensures that that art form will be passed on. That's a beautiful yes. thing. That's a yes. beautiful thing. Wow. In Oslo, too. Yeah. <laughs> of all places. That, there's not many people who are going to think jazz when they think of Oslo, Norway. No, people don't jazz. But it is there. But it is there. There is a, and I, and I, I can't remember the name of the album, but there is a very well-known, well-known for everybody except for me, I can't remember the name, a well-known Miles Davis live recording from Sweden back in, uh, was it in 1961, I believe. So, so they were rocking the jazz, you know. In Scandinavia, oh, Gordon spent a ton of time here, yes, and, and also in and, and also in Sweden. Um, Clark Terry, 
Miles Davis, one of his closest friends, a guy who he would hire to drive him around every time he came to That's Europe. That's right. Yeah. He met him at Molda International Jazz Fest. And That's right. Good friend, uh, Sven Johansson. Sven Johansson. He met him and they even made a play, a stage play with music and, and speaking right. about the relationship called Driving Miles. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. So, jazz is here. Jazz is here. Yes. And you're here. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> now, and I couldn't be here to do jazz if there were a jazz in Norway. <laughs> that's just a great story. They, they, they took a couple of years of searching. They found you, and they convinced you to come here. Was that a big change for you, or did you just kind of slide right into life in Norway? I'm thinking— well, you know— Because you come, you come in a way, you came with a platform, the platform of music— and that is an international thing. Did that make it easier for you to come here and adjust? Yes. And the thing is, is that they, you know, I was just coming over. It, it started out where I would come over and spend, you know, the allowed amount of time. I would come three months, hang out with them yeah. in the summer. I'd go home for a bit. I'd come back. I had an apartment that in, in the in the nearness of the Oslo, well, in, in Bottom. Okay. Yeah. In that area. Uh, and I would leave and go back to New Orleans and work there and, and then spend a few months in New Orleans and then come back and I did that for for years and yeah. then Hurricane Katrina happened right in New Orleans right was and that the catalyst that uh, led to a yeah. permanent change yes yeah okay yes and uh, I was here in Norway when it was happening my mom was still in New Orleans uh, she was stuck in on a bridge for wow. five days wow. yeah and i was angry at the united states i can imagine a lot of people were angry. and still are still are mm. yeah even more so now <laughs> you know a lot of people try to gloss that over as if as if um as if the people of, especially New Orleans, especially the black people of New Orleans, they're just whining. Oh, come on, get over it. It wasn't that bad. Everybody suffers. But if people look at the facts of that situation at that time, it it, it, it is so easy to imagine why people experienced it the way they did. There was neglect. You can't, yes. it's, it's, unde it's undeniable. It's undeniable. And it was interesting that you say that when uh, I'm a good podcast host. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. When I finally, my piano player, the one that I'm doing the streams with, uh, five days in, I, I couldn't sleep. All I did was watch the television and dial her phone number and all of the cell towers were down. So <sighs> I couldn't get through to her. For five days, that's what I that's did. That's a long and time to not know how someone is doing in a situation yes. like that. And going, and I'm an only child. Okay. It's me and her. Okay. So, going into day number six, I'm laying on a bed. It was almost 5.30 in the morning in Norway. And I'm laying on the bed, not able to sleep. I had the television going. I had the radio going. And I get a phone call from my piano player. He said, I found your mom. I was like, what do you mean? He said, she got picked up by one of the buses and they're 
on their way driving right now to Dallas, Texas. He said, I'm in Houston, Texas right now at my father's place. Mm -hmm. I'm in my car now. I'm going to go and get her Mm -hmm. and drive her back here. And we are going to keep her here until you can get home. Okay. So he got her. He drove (laughs) three and a half hours from Houston to Dallas. He drove that time. He went and picked her up drove straight back she he said you know she said don't you want to stop and sleep as he was like absolutely not i want to get you to our house so that i can call your child and tell her that you are (laughs) just a straight shot yeah yeah and he he kept her there uh until i was able to get back to new orleans and when i got there uh to get to get her together the folks in the the band in itusula in norway they said uh we have work, but we can cancel it. I said, no, I need the work, especially now because we've lost everything. Right. We literally lost everything. everything. That We had nothing left. It was all destroyed. Wow. So they said, okay, then we're getting a ticket because you're bringing your mom with you. Okay. So I brought her here with me to Norway to, ha- you know, because, and she stayed here with me for a little over a month until we got her settled in Houston for a while. She's back in New Orleans now. But I went on, it was uh, uh, TV2 yeah. News asked me to come on for an interview. For those and that don't know, TV2, TV2 is a national, na- nationwide major uh, news channel here in Norway. And they were asking me questions about it. But one of the guys, he just came right out with it. He's like, why does it look like? They were not taking care of the black people. Destroyed out. Just asked that I question, said, just threw that out on the table. Boom. Here you go. Yes. And I was proud of him for just come. The rest of yeah. them were being very gentle. Yeah. And he just came right out yeah. with it. Why does it? Why does it? Because that's what it looks like to, to me. I said, because you are seeing it correctly. I said, people like to think, you know, that all the marching in the 60s and everything, that it made a huge impact. It barely scratched the surface. It barely scratched the surface. And now it's gone completely backwards all over again. Well, you know, I, I'm I say this in, in a lot of discussions, it seems as if the current political climate has because I, I believe I don't think there's more racism or more racists. Let me say this right. I don't believe that there's more racists in America now than before, but I believe that they feel bolder. They feel more free to express their racism, and that comes from the top. Exactly. They see the example. They've always been there. They make a little noise from time to time, but now they're making a lot of noise because they see the example at the top, and they're thinking, okay, you know, I can express myself. It's okay to feel this way. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Whereas before, there used to be a little bit of shame. There used to be a little yeah, bit not of... Not anymore. No, <laughs> not anymore. <clears throat> Ooh, they letting that Confederate flag fly, baby. <laughs> I, I don't... Yeah. Now, I think it's interesting that uh, flying the Confederate flag is very popular here in Norway. Ooh, Do you see? I'm sure yeah. you've seen it, too. Oh, yeah. And I, and I, I, I can't quite get my head around that reasoning. I cringe. And they don't understand because they don't live in our brown skin. They don't understand why seeing that flag is cringeworthy. First of all, 
you don't fly a flag for a group of people that lost a war. Amen. <laughs> flying that flag to us is like flying a Nazi flag with to the Norwegians. Them. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think that they understand it's the same thing. And I get it <clears throat> if they're ignorant of the facts, if they're ignorant of the history. I get that. But when they are enlightened, when it comes up as a topic of discussion and people like you and I tell them that history, when they still say, oh, yeah, but that's not what I fly it for, or, or no, I don't agree with you. It doesn't matter what you agree with. History is history and facts are it's facts. So I believe that when you reach a certain level of enlightenment, when you have the facts, when you have the knowledge, but you continue to do that harmful behavior, in this case, fly that flag, then that says something about your concern for your fellow man. It, you have none. Well, there you go. There you, you have go. none. Yeah. So it's, a, <clears throat> it's an interesting thing that something like that would touch us <laughs> over here. In, in Norway. Um, now, I you know, know... It's interesting. Yeah? That flag, it's interesting. <clears throat> My father-in-law, one of his relatives in the United States, had given him one. Okay. And they told him, oh, it's the Southern States flag. <laughs> is that what it is? And they and so when when I first met my husband, he proudly showed you know me this like look I have a Southern States flag and I went uh. <laughs> now granted my, my father in law at the time you know he was in his in his early seventies okay yeah at that time yeah. and I was like uh, no he wasn't even seventy yet no he wasn't seventy yet and I was like uh and his son was like my husband he's like um okay. He explained to him what that flag was. We even went online and showed him some stuff. And my father-in-law was like, oh, oh, uh, that flag has never been seen again. Okay, see? <clears throat> he got rid of that. He was like, uh, nope. Now that is the response of a man who concerns himself with his fellow man. Exactly. That's the proper response. He got the knowledge. Married, I married to Pertura at that we were just dating okay we were just dating he yeah. didn't know if that was going to last or not but he was like i do not want to offend yeah. anybody from the south with this no well he got rid of that well the whole thing about offending someone this this they kind of use that as a badge of weakness a lot of people on the right oh, oh I, did i offend you Oh, are you a snowflake? And I, I just, I, I asked the question, when did common decency become a bad thing? Yes. You know, um, just be nice. Isn't it that simple to just be nice? If you know, I wish it was. if you know that something you're saying or doing is hurting other people, why would you want to continue doing it? But it seems like people take pleasure in hurting other people. You see people on social media who who just go for the jugular, and I I I wonder what happened. When, when did that? It's almost like we didn't see it coming. It just came, and all of a sudden, that's the way people were. Social media, it's in a, all of its wonder. Yeah, because it is also, a good thing. It is a good yeah. thing. Yeah. It also gave to me, it seemed to give a platform 
to people who were hurting themselves. So they decided they were going to redirect it on everybody else, whether they know you or not, they were going to find something to make you hurt as much because that's what I think people who behave like that, you are not happy inside. Something is broken inside of you. Something is wrong with them. Uh, I, I believe even a uh, a robe wearing Klansman in his heart, in his mind, in his conscious thought process, I don't believe that any of them truly believe that they are better than non-whites. I think they have something that happened to them. They're damaged psychologically or emotionally. Uh, they're hurting. They need to feel superior. So they trick them. So it's not even they're tricking themselves. They just, they, they just outwardly fall into that racist ideology. I just can't believe that a human, unless you are, unless you have some serious mental disabilities, I, I can't believe that they truly, truly believe their own rhetoric. Exactly. Because people aren't that stupid. People are mean and calloused and hard hearted, but they're not stupid. And I, and I think that's why when you get a racist who's willing to debate, most of them aren't willing to debate uh, because they know no, their logic. Because they know their logic they is name calling right away. Exactly, and and if you even get them to the stage of engaging in a debate, they're not going to back it up with any kind of fact. They're just going to come with their slogans. They're going to start with the name calling, and yes. there is no debate any longer. <clears throat> so I think exactly. that, I think they're latching on to what they know is a flawed ideology, but they're hurting so bad they have to cover that up somehow, and they cover that up by feeling superior or making themselves appear to be superior. And and the folks in power with money who look down on anybody with less than them, no matter what color they are. To keep the ones that look like them on their side, they keep letting them know, you know why you don't have any money like me? It's because of them. Exactly. You know why you don't have all of the things that you want in life? It's because of them. And they're thinking to themselves, this rich person says that it's all because of them. So that must be what it is. It's (laughs) not because I haven't worked hard enough or I'm underqualified or I'm undereducated. It's because of them. Yeah. Doing everything to make my life miserable, <clears throat> like you know, the like in the states, the the big vendetta against all oh, the Mexicans. They're taking our jobs. Do Do you really want to be picking apples and oranges out in the the ninety seven <clears throat> Fahrenheit sun? Do was, you really want to do that? Do you want to be cutting people's grass and cleaning their house and taking care of their children? No. I was going to say I think it was in Georgia uh, at the beginning of this pandemic. Um, a lot of the big farms in Georgia uh, saw already that they weren't going to have enough workers, you know, because of the pandemic and whatnot. Some of these Mexican migrant workers just weren't coming. So they put out these job openings in their towns locally for, you know, for the local people, you know, Americans, you know, not Mexicans, but Americans to take, and they could not fit, not even close to filling those jobs. So exactly. shut up, shut up about just just be quiet about the Mexicans taking our jobs, you know, because you don't want their jobs because exactly. it's damn hard work. Exactly. And they're not afraid of that damn hard work. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's incredible. man. It's incredible. it's incredible. I don't know. It's um, 
for me, it was an interesting step coming from the United States to Norway. Um, now, as I said earlier, you were kind of cushioned in the sense that you came from a music environment to a music environment. Yes. So would you say then that your transition here was smooth and easy and problem free or well, you know, I, what were, I what were some challenges? What were some challenges you faced? Funny enough, oddly enough, I didn't. Ah. There was no, you know, I lived in Finland. Oh, you lived in Finland years. first. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because of school there. I lived in Finland for many years and I worked and I played uh, music there and I did the same thing where I would be there and then I would go back to New Orleans, work there with New Orleans folk and then I'd go back to New Right. So I've always been nomadic. I've always set up my mm. life to be able to just pack up and go and be where I want. Yeah. But do you, you know, feel I've, rooted? I've, do you feel rooted where you are now though? Absolutely. Okay. I, the only thing I, I did have... I come from, you know, uh, New Orleans is a city where you walk past people and you say good morning and good evening and yeah. how you doing today and you know and you're uh, you used to being acknowledged back. With yes, that. yeah. Norway is a little bit weird with that. It's a lot weird with that, unless they're very shy. Well, unless you get further north. Now we have, uh, but some, even here. Well, I'm saying even further north of Olesund. You know, I'm down yeah. south in Drammen. You're up in Olesund. But we ha we also have our roots. We have a, pl a home up in Finnmark. Uh, okay. Co coastal Finnmark. Out on the islands in West yes. Finnmark. And up there, it's just, for me, it's just like home, you know, in uh, in, sem in, in semi-rural Ohio where everybody... They, they, even if they don't know you, they're still going to look you in the eye. They're going to say hello. They're going to ask you how you're doing. So in that sense, where we, where we have our place up north in Finnmark is just like back at home. Exactly. So now I did, I did. I was like I told you, I was living in the bottom area, and I would, you know, walk past people and say hello, and they look at they're you. They're a little stiff like, around. Yeah, they're a little bit yeah. stiff. Yeah, yeah. And the band Utrecht. They came from the island of Sula, right yeah. across the the uh, fjord from where I am here in Olesen. Yeah. I lived there up until just two years ago. We moved over across the fjord to Olesen just two years okay. ago. Okay, yeah. But I lived on Sula. Yeah. In Langevog. Ah, yes. I know <laughs> it's a beautiful is. little island right yeah. across the the fjord from yeah. uh, from uh, here, yeah. and. I got there, and because, you know, it's a very small place. I think Sula is 7,000-something people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got there, and I would ride my bike from my, my, my house to the store, and I would get into the store, and I would walk into the little small grocery store, and I would go, good morning. And at first, they kind of looked at me like, okay, and then go, good morning. After, like, two months, <laughs> it became this. I walk in the store, and they'd smile and wait for their good morning. Well, I go, good morning, good morning, Trisha. Well, you know, and they want to, you know, when you first break that ice, and now let me tell you, breaking that ice is a little bit of a chore sometimes. That ice is a little bit thick here in Norway. Yeah. But once you break that ice, then you're in. It's just yes. that it, it is, it is a, it, it seriously is a big effort to get to know people down here for the most part. Of course, there's some people who are more laid back. But um, yeah, as you see, you know, a couple of months, it took a couple of months, but after a couple of months, you were then, in. Yeah, you know, yeah. and 
the thing is, is that, like you said, to break through, they're kind of they're kind of quiet, protected folk. They are, yeah. But once you break through, they want come over and eat dinner, and 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 uh, I bake this bread, and here you go, and and we're yeah. gonna go to the summer house. Come with us. The way I yeah. the way I put it is, they're very skeptical of people they don't know. So I take that and I think, okay, well, I just have to get to know them, and then that wall of skepticism is gone. So it's it's, gone. It's, it takes a little bit wor of work, and it's something that I still haven't gotten used to. But it takes a little work, and then you you know it's it, it's possible to build a social network here. You just have to work harder at it. Yeah, and and the funny thing about it is, is that I I grew up with a mom who is literally a Woodstock hippie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she is the tiniest lady ever. Uh, in in centimeters, I'm not sure, but she's not five feet tall. She's four feet eleven inches. <laughs> she's a tiny, tiny little lady with a massive personality. I'm gonna look that up and see how. Let's see. <laughs> Would you say she's uh, she's four foot eleven? Four feet eleven inches. Uh, so that would be forty eight, fifty eight, fifty nine inches. Let's see how tall your mother is because that's that's short. She's very short. <laughs> and of course now my phone isn't working to convert. I'm gonna figure that out. But that but that's short. <clears throat> she's a tiny little lady. And she's got a massive <laughs> personality. Uh she's a uh has a master's degree in fine art. Okay, uh, so that, but that out of college that Woodstock Hippie worked for uh 15 years as a technical illustrator for NASA. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we lived, you know, in, in a subdivision that was right close because a lot of people don't know the they put the tank together, the space shuttles together in Houston, but the tanks that push it into the air are made at the NASA facility in New Orleans. Okay, yeah. So my mom was a technical illustrator drawing the plans for the tanks now that is a cool spaceship. job. That's a, cool a job. very cool job. So, you know, but the thing is she had to leave, you know, kind of leave her hippie lifestyle at home and put on the suit and be business like be the conservative business. Like, yeah. 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 But she's she's back. She's in New Orleans and she's back to doing her painting and, and hippie all over again, wearing mismatched clothes. And yeah, that's her thing. <laughs> but she raised me to have a massive, fearless shameless personality you do have a very outgoing personality i've i've seen i've seen some of the uh posts some of the engagements you've been in on social media and i love it you seem to be very direct very direct and outspoken but not in a mean way you seem to put a lot of happiness and humor in yes. in those things regardless of what the subject is and is i tell you it's for me it's very refreshing to see that and that's why I haven't had difficulty here with people because I, people, it's funny. I, I sit down and I ask people questions sometimes or I'll ask them for something. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Can I have it? <laughs> and my husband looks at me and he's like, don't do that. What? Why? Why? All they can tell me is no. And no does not hurt my feelings. No. No doesn't hurt my feelings. No. Because I'm going to just keep asking until someone says yes. There you go. <laughs> well, that's I'm a key. Keep saying good morning and good evening to you every day until you answer me. You take responsibility for your happiness, is what that is. 
I know a lot of. I like that. Yeah, I know. Well, I know a lot of immigrants who who live here. Uh, some of them from the states, and they're not happy. And when you ask them why they're not happy, they'll give a list of things that have happened to them, or they'll give a list of people who have done things or said things to them. And okay, those things happen. I'm not going to take your reality away from you. But did anybody tell you that you had to react to those things in the way you reacted? You know, you ha- a person has to take responsibility for their own happiness. Nobody else is going to. Not even exactly. our spouse. Not even our spouse is, or well, our spouses shouldn't take responsibility for happiness. That is an individual thing. That's on us. We have to do that exactly. ourselves. You have to choose to be happy. Absolutely. I could. I felt when when all of my work was getting canceled, I allowed myself to wallow in it. I had my pity party <laughs> all on my own. I, I did that, and then I pulled up out of it. I was like, okay, what can you do to keep yourself from going to the dark place? What can you do? I can get sit online and do a live stream, sing some songs. It may be slightly out of key because I don't have any accompaniment, but I don't care. And I sat down with a cup of tea in my little environment. You see, I got my little Buddhas and stuff. Oh, look at that. Here. Okay. Yeah. I sit down in my little environment with my little furry chair and in my uh-huh. you know eccentric environment. I've uh-huh. invited people in. I sing songs to them. I tell them about who made these songs, who wrote the songs, things that I care about, I put out into the world. And each day I pulled up out of that dark place. And there's a lot of satisfaction in that. If you're putting happiness and joy and love out there, it's going, you're, you're, you're going to infect yourself as well as yes. infect those who are listening. You're also going to infect yourself. It's yes. good medicine. It's good medicine. And even my husband noticed it after like the third day I had done the tea time thing. Yeah. I come downstairs uh, with, you know, holding my glass, empty glass of tea. I come downstairs with my iPad and my phone, walk downstairs. I walk into the room and start talking to him. And he's like, I can hear the happy. Yeah. Yeah. He said, I'm looking at you and you're not just he said, of course, you know, every day you're still walking around in sweatpants and pajamas, which <laughs> I think is cute. He said, but you don't look like you're just kind of uh, yeah, around yeah. in sweatpants and, you know, or pajamas. Yeah. He said, you're bouncing around now. He said, you got bounce. He said, and you're chatty and you're smiling and you're laughing about stuff. He said, this interaction is, is good for you. You're making yourself happy. Yeah. Yes. It's it's all about taking responsibility for your own happiness and satisfaction. Um, But of course, up in that, there are some challenges. You know, you are missing a huge part of your your work, you know, with all, you know, you said 19 shows canceled in one day. But I, I, I think it's a beautiful thing to see how so many artists and musicians, especially musicians, are taking advantage of this live stream, stream thing. I had a podcast guest on um, a few episodes back, Raymond Olsen. I talked to you about him yesterday. He's yes. one of yes. the guys that's running that digital stage, uh, Digital Sen, as it's called in Norwegian, uh, digital stage. And they're booking... Norwegian artists uh, of all levels, you know, hobby, hobby musicians, all the way up to 
well-known national acts. They're booking international acts, and they're scheduling live streams. And some of them are getting four and five thousand viewers. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna set you up with them. I'm gonna put you in contact with Raymond. Uh, there is an there is an opportunity there, and I could see, I could see what you're doing <clears throat> uh, as something that would be extra exciting for viewers. Um, in that you have these musicians, you know, you have your piano player back in New Orleans and yes. just the idea of both of you performing live together on the, this digital stage. I think people would just think that that is just cool as can be. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to set you up with Raymond. I'm going to, you know, and then you, you, you guys can you. just run with it and see what happens. But I'll, I, I know Raymond very well. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm going to set you guys up. I think people yeah. would enjoy listening to you. Yeah. yeah. So um, you know, I'm 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 finding you know I'm I'm pulling to I'm doing my you know Friday my very very first concert. Yeah, that's what we, that's actually the main reason why I'm talking to you. I wanted to help you get the word out about your concert coming up on Friday. Tell tell us about that. Who will you be performing with? What kind of songs? How did this come together? Um, well, the thing is, is that uh, a lot of uh, my musicians uh, that I work with, with we're scattered all over Norway. Yeah. We're not all in the same place. No. Uh, so that makes it very difficult to have the whole band together in a place without an audience to do a live set. Right. And that was one of my biggest challenges. Well, uh, uh, the former piano player, and he some, sometimes still substitute with, substitutes with uh, Ittersulen, He's a choir conductor and a piano player, and he's fantastic. His name is Ostjel Molver. Uh, and he lives right over in Sula. Yeah. And we both had to wait, you know, uh, with me with an immune deficiency, him being an older gentleman, we both had to wait and make sure that we were both healthy enough to not make each other ill. Okay, we yeah. We did our quarantine time, so <clears throat> I contacted him, and I was like, Ostjel, my background is doing a lot of piano vocal duo. That's what Paul and I did for 20 years in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> so I asked Ostel, I said, you want to do a uh, virtual concert with me? And he went, I will play music with you anywhere, but I don't know what a virtual concert is. <laughs> and I said, all you have to do is sit in a room with me. We put together uh, a set list. Oops, you and disappeared. Once we put together that set go. list. Now you're back. Yeah. Okay. You disappeared for Something a second. Something happened. <laughs> I said, once we put together that set list, then all you have to do is play the songs with me like we were on stage with an audience. He said, I would love to do that, but just please tell me I don't have to do anything technical. <laughs> He's, like me. He's, no He's like Austell me. He still has a Nokia. No, he has still has a Nokia flip phone. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit more modern than that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> he still has a Nokia flip. Poor phone. guy. <laughs> so yeah, so it's the, yeah. That's how he's yeah. That's how he rolls. That's how he so, gets <laughs> But the thing is, is that is uh, he was he was happy to do it. So I'm gonna go over uh, to Sula. We're gonna have a a little distant rehearsal uh, tomorrow on. Uh, what is today? I've lose, lost track of it. You know, I lost track. Okay. Uh, today is Wednesday. Today is Wednesday. Okay, well, we're going to yeah. get together on Thursday afternoon, and we're going to have a rehearsal, and I'm going to see how I'm going to set up uh, 
set up the equipment to to do the live stream and then he and i are going to sit down in an intimate environment and we're going to play uh some traditional jazz tunes some swing tunes some what they call here evergreens evergreens yeah <laughs> yes we're going to play some some pretty piano and vocal songs and I'm going to probably say a bunch of weird things and some sometimes inappropriate. I'm known for it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Inappropriate is good. Inappropriate yeah, is good. Yeah, I, I can be very inappropriate. Except around children. I do know, I've, d I've done Rick's concerts, so I do know how to behave around kids. <clears throat> you have to, know, have to know when there's kids in the audience. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do have that one filter that pops in when there are children around. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> You know, I find that uh, my kids are getting older. Um, my wife and I, we have a daughter who's 15, uh, 14 and a son who's uh, 12. Yeah. And things that we used to be able to say and talk about when they were younger because they just didn't get it. We can't do that anymore. Just the other day, I said something at the dinner table and both of them just turned and looked at me like, Papa, did you really? So, <laughs> so that filter, that filter that we have for kids, it needs to be ch change that filter from time to time. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you got to put in a new filter. But Some, the thing is, um, I don't have my own children. No, my husband's got two grown kids and their parents now. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a me me now. Okay, a me me, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a me me now, <laughs> and and the thing is, is that with my granddaughter. Her father is Lithuanian. Okay. International So family. they speak yeah. English, Norwegian, and Lithuanian around Aria. So Aria is starting to understand English. And okay. she's at that age where she repeats everything that she hears. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, Mimi's filter has popped in in a big way because Mimi has sailor mouth. <laughs> sailor mouth <laughs> Mimi has sailor mouth so I have really had to put like a double filter on I'm like because she's at that age where she's repeating stuff yeah yeah so yeah so I have to be, I, I, I am now very very cautious in, in my speech gotta, 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 gotta adjust that filter from time to time yeah. so when you necessary. so when you do this live stream coming up on Friday where will it yeah. stream from will it be streaming from your Facebook page Yes, it's going to be on my Facebook page and I'm going to post a link. Uh, the thing is, is that I have an artist page and I have my profile page. I do it from my profile page and it's set to public. So it doesn't matter. Okay. You know, it, it, everybody can join. I'm going to post, I'm going to post this episode for my listeners to hear early on Thursday morning. And then I will, in the comments section, I'll put a link to your Facebook page so that people can go in and check out this Yeah, because live they'll be looking at the Trisha Bute Longlu yep. page. Yep. Yes. Yes. That's a long name. <laughs> oh, it's even longer. <laughs> oh, it's even longer. Let's hear it. You stick you stick in the, the middle name and stuff and it, and it, and it gets it gets extensive. Yeah. But, that, but na names are important. We were talking about that before we went live on the air here. We were talking about names. Uh, and and, and uh, some some people have a problem with your name. They wanted to change it at some point. Oh goodness, yeah. When I first uh, started going to my Norwegian language classes uh, here in Olesund, and uh, you know, in the Norwegian language here in Olesund, instead of yay, they say a. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, things dialects, yeah. you know, but in, in the classes, of course, they teach, you know, they teach Bukmo. But we were, yeah. No, I was going to say for the listeners who aren't Norwegian speakers, uh, uh, the pronoun I, it can be said in many different ways in the Norwegian language. You know, I in one dialect is yai, in another it's egg, in another it's a, in another it's e. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's, in Molde, it's e. Yeah, yeah. So there's all yeah, these different ways. Yeah. So all yeah. these different ways of saying the same pronoun word for I. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. I just want to explain that for no, people. No, no, no. That's necessary. Yeah. yeah. That's necessary to clarify. But uh, when you when you're going to Nor when foreigners are going to the Norwegian uh, language classes, you are taught. You know, there are two different Norwegians: Nynorsk and Bukmo. The area that I live in, people speak more Nynorsk. Mm -hmm. The yeah. you know the northwest yeah. that the the, the yeah. di, you know the language that dialect is more prevalent there yeah yeah right but the thing is is in school in the in what, especially when I started going to Norwegian language classes it's bookmall is what they taught in school so they went around the class the teacher went around the class and there are people from Poland Afghanistan Pakistan Lithuania Slovenia Slovakia America all yeah. over the place yeah they there was even a girl from Spain in the class with us and so the teacher went around the class and wanted us to say my name is and whatever your name is so it's ye heta. Mm -hmm. my name is yes so everybody is going around the class with these very interesting names especially when it was people from you know from eastern europe people from the middle east and they got to me and i said ye heta trisha and the teacher looks at me nay <laughs> no <laughs> And I was confused about mm. which part I said wrong. And I was like, yay, heta, Trisha. Nay. I was like, what am I saying wrong? It's yay, heta, Tricia. Mm. I said, that's not my name. <laughs> that is not what my mama named me. Uh -huh. You did not tell Iqbal how to say his name, Norwegian style. What did you Why say his name was? changing my name? Iqbal. Huh? What did you say? Iqbal. Iqbal. Okay. Yes, Iqbal. I'm like, you didn't say <laughs> She didn't correct that. Yeah, which is exactly. Right. So, how are you changing my name? And she was like, but the way it's spelled, no, lady, first of all, <laughs> Trisha is not a Norwegian name. Right. So, you can't change it to try to make it pronounced as such. My name is Trisha. It's not Tricia. So, how did how does she react to that? Did she take it well, or did she, she try to argue it? She, <laughs> she was she argued for a bit and then she realized it was futile and mm. but she hated me for the rest of the session mm. you know the rest of the the term i was there that's i was okay you, with that i don't need everybody to like me no <laughs> <laughs> i'm like brussels sprouts you know i'm not for everybody you know i'm for not everybody. for everybody's <laughs> no i i kind of experience the same thing uh quite often actually uh yeah. I, I think my name is so simple it's John Allen. That's simple, or just here, John. Baby. I guess in a in a in an artist world, you know, music and, and whatnot. I use John Allen. That's my first and middle name. But my first name is John. It's so simple. It's so basic. Now, Norwegians love Johnny Cash, the musician. Norwegians yeah. love John Lennon, right? Yes. So why do I have to be called Jon? And they insist on it. Some people insist on it. I had a lady. I was uh, I was working a 
part-time uh, during a, one of the summers because I used to work in a school uh, environment as a project leader. So I had the same schedule, you know, the summer's off. So to make a little extra money, I had an extra job working at uh, the hospital, uh, one of the psychiatric units at the hospital here in Drummond. So I had to go to the main hospital to get an ID card. And the lady asked me, what's your name? You know, have I had to do? And I said, uh, John, and she stopped me. She said, no, you live, and she said this in Norwegian, you live in Norway now, you better integrate yourself and you better get used to the fact that your name is Jon. And I, I, wow. I, I, and I just, and I just had to, my, I, my mind went back to when I was a kid, you know, in the, in the late seventies wow. watching Roots when it first came out. And when Toby, uh, they were trying to tell him his name was Toby instead of Kunta Kinta, my mind, yes. my mind just went back to that. And I mean, the, the nerve, and now it just, now it just rolls off. But at that time I was a slightly different person, a little bit more. Uh, assertive with my individuality. I was relatively yeah. new in the country. So I, I didn't take it that well. And I and I kind of threw a little bit back on that lady. But nor should you. But the nerve of someone to insist that your name is not what it is. This is the name my mother gave to me. And I take pride in it. Yeah. She spent time figuring out what she was going to name her child Amen. her little black girl amen and she named me trisha not tricia there's a certain amount so of that's not and also i get patricia i'm like you do not see a p and a on <laughs> front of that name stop calling stop me it, that. Yeah. well you know there's a certain amount of social arrogance i call it social arrogance I'm sorry cultural arrogance there's a certain amount of cultural arrogance if they insist on you changing your name just because you live in a different country. And I get it. There might be some difficulty in them pronouncing it. You know, nobody says John. They'll say John. Okay, that's good. That's fine. That's, that's, that's not the issue. Close enough. Close it's enough. Yon. Exactly. It's not Yon or Johan. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Or some people, then this is weird. And it, this doesn't, and again, this doesn't bother me anymore. I use it mostly for comedic purposes. I make fun of it in my, in my stand-up routine. Yeah. But one thing that I don't, I, I truly don't understand. It doesn't bother me. I mean, I'll correct people, but I don't understand why they just drop my first name and call me Alan. They won't even say Alan, but it's Alan. Hi, Alan. And it's like, what? I mean, that's my name, kind of. That's my middle, that's my middle name, but you're just going to jump over the... Just jump over the first. Give up the first name, <laughs> man. That's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's strange. I think it's very that's strange. Crazy. But these people, I, t I I tease Norwegians because I love them. Uh, sometimes I feel sorry for them. Sometimes I truly love them. And uh, but it's 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 interesting. There's small differences here, like that. This the the issue with the name and things like that. That give me that little reminder that okay, yeah, yeah, I am in a different country. I am, I'm not oh, at home. Yeah. One of the best ones, like ever. <laughs> I was working with, with Utrasulan and it was my 35th birthday. Holy cow, that's quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on now. Don't give up too much information. <laughs> that was that was a minute ago. That was a minute ago. But that was a minute ago. We walked on to we went we were doing a club and it was in Knarvik. And there was an older gentleman who was coming on stage to introduce the band. And he was in, you know, kind of a Ill, little tiny old man, an ill-fitting suit. Uh -huh. 
and he looked a little bit grumpy in his demeanor, but once I got to talk to him after the job was over, sweet, sweet gentleman, he just has this grumpy look, and he walked onto the stage and to introduce the band. He's like, Min Dama O'Hara. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Yaz <laughs> Ensemble or Trixie Bolt. Trixie Bolt. <laughs> that sounds like a porn star name or something. Exactly. That's not what you're doing. You like, got... Ooh, Trixie Bolt. That's your stripper name. <laughs> <laughs> and the band, Bolt. the guys in the band, I am still Trixie. Oh, <laughs> so you this got a nickname that stuck. Years ago, man. This was so long ago. I am still Trixie Bolt. And the tuba player, his, his, little, his oldest little boy... I'm Auntie Trixie. <laughs> <laughs> Auntie Trixie. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey. So the know. thing is that's but the thing is that was funny and it was yeah. it wasn't yeah. ill intent. You know, it was okay and it came up with a really funny nickname. Yeah. So why not? I've gotten some comments from people in uh, in earlier episodes and even in my stand up routine where I make fun of, you know, racism in Norway and I'm making fun of it in a lighthearted way, but I'm, I'm at the same time as I'm trying to put the light on a subject and some people, I don't know, they kind of accuse me of talking too much about it. I don't think it's possible to talk too much about racism. Exactly. People, I don't think that's possible to talk about it. It makes them uncomfortable, yeah. but it doesn't make it go away. Exactly. See, and I'm, I'm talking about it lightheartedly and I'm putting a touch of humor on it to soften that up and hope for hope, hope, hopefully in order to make it more palatable for people, easier for them to talk about. Yes. So, um, yeah, I don't believe that it's possible to talk too much about it. it and it's, it's not definitely, not, it's definitely not too much, too much. Uh, you, it's impossible to, to joke about it too much. I mean, if I want to laugh about it, that's much better than the opposite, which is me marching in the streets and setting flipping exactly. cars over and setting buildings on fire. Exactly. <laughs> the thing is, is that when you live in the skin that we live in, you can't just not talk, talk about it and pretend like it goes away. See, people have to understand. Uh, and, and that's where I ask for that, that, um, that openness and that kind heartedness that seems to be disappearing in society. I ask for that to be to be more prevalent in our society, I ask people to understand it from our position. I've uh, three three times since we've lived here in Norway, uh, and this is in the beginning when we first came here. We experienced that we were not able to buy the home that we wanted because I'm a black man, and they refused to sell to a black man. We experienced that that happened, and wow. and that that alone gives me the right to talk about racism and to discuss institutional racism in Norway for the rest of my days here because I I challenge someone to tell me that that doesn't mean anything that I experienced that my wife and I could not buy a home because they didn't want to sell to a black man exactly don't I have the right to talk about that experience don't I have the right to share that experience you know because especially when people who don't look like us, they don't understand that this is a problem. Yeah. So they need to be, they, they need to be told this is a problem. Yeah. You can't pretend like it doesn't exist. You yeah. need to know that. Yes. Also in your beautiful country, this exists. There is this. Yeah. You know, and, and just because we talk about it, uh, uh, just because I talk about it, that doesn't mean I'm obsessed with it. Someone uh, wrote a, a comment uh, to me that I'm obsessed with racism. 
or that I'm trying to have that poor me uh, image uh, of myself. Oh, wow. They can just they can just back off with that mess. That is not the case. Uh, no. In fact, it's quite the opposite. In spite of being blocked on three different occasions from buying the home I wanted. I got the home I wanted and I got the job I wanted and I'm providing for my family the way I want to in spite of that. So there's not a message of hatred. There's not a message of, Oh, poor me. It's quite the opposite. I'm trying to show, I'm trying to show people that in spite of those things happening, if you have the right attitude, if you have the right mindset, if you have a little bit of luck, Here's what the result can be. That's my, my message. Angelou said it best. Still I rise. Yeah, still I you rise. You can do all those things to me. You can block me from having the proper home. Try to block me from having the home I want. Try to block me from having the things I want. But still I rise. Still because I rise. Because we are resilient folk. But we're going to let you know when you're doing dirty. But we're going to rise. <laughs> that is a good way we're of putting it. We're going to rise above it. Yeah, I'm going to love you, but I'm going to let you know when you're doing me wrong. Exactly. Absolutely. Because I love this country that we live in. I'm, when you do it dirty, I'm gonna tell you about it. Absolutely. Like a mama. Do you have do you have Norwegian citizenship? Um, no. No, I, I don't either. I don't either. I don't want I don't yeah. and that and that has nothing to do with any kind of dislike for Norway. I'm like you, I love it here. But for me it has to do with identity. I Oh, well see, I'm a little bit different that way. Okay, go ahead. I'm, as soon as I get my mom over here, uh, I'm going to stand in front of the American embassy and throw, <laughs> throw my passport in front of the door and set on fire and dance around it like Jimi Hendrix. But, yeah. <laughs> like Jimi Hendrix at Monterey. <laughs> yeah, babe, I'm going to put lighter fluid on it, set on fire and dance. But, yeah. but did you know, though, that we can have, uh, before it used to be if you were going to get Norwegian citizenship, you've got to drop your American citizenship, but now you can have both. You wouldn't be interested um, in having both? No. No. Well, she said it. Question no. asked and answered. <laughs> America, you know, with, with after Katrina. Yeah. And with the current situation. Yeah. In America. You don't recognize yourself anymore as an American. No. no. I recognize myself as a New Orleanian. Uh-huh. And that is it. I see. That's people a powerful say, statement. That's a powerful people statement. People say, are you from, you're from America? I'm from New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Period. Tell, tell me why. Okay, I know why you feel that way, and I can identify with that, but put words on it. Why do you feel that way? 2005, when they let my city drown, and don't, don't be fooled, ours was a man-made disaster. The hurricane had already passed when the man-made levees broke because the Army Corps of Engineer, their money was steered to other things and they didn't repair the levees. So after the hurricane had passed, the rising water broke insufficient levees and flooded the city of New Orleans. It had zero to do. It was, this was a man-made problem. Then they let my people sit there in water and die and drown. Because just, just, just to back up for one second, um, yes. if I remember right, there was a ton 
of talk well before Hurricane Katrina, well before that, that the levees needed to be fixed. And if they weren't, people were going to die eventually. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like the hurricane came, the levees broke and people were surprised. No, people knew there was a lot of talk. Your mayor at that time pushed to try and get uh, government funding to fix the levees. And that was denied time and time and time again. Correct? Yes. Yes. So that was a man-made problem. I sat down here and watched on the news as they let my people die. That must have hurt. It hurt me to watch it. And I don't have any connection to New Orleans. It hurt me. It hurt me to see that, uh, you know, the news, the news cameras and the helicopters and you would see people and sometimes they would go back and show the same family on the same roof. And it's been two, three, four, five days and they're still stuck on that roof. Yes. I, 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 I remember how I remember how I felt and I don't know anyone in, in New Orleans, but your family was there. Your mother was they there. Were there. Yes. So that's that's when they failed me the first time. Uh-huh. The second time they failed miserably was in 2016. Yeah. And that was the election yep. that has brought us to where we are today. With the chaos, the madness. I was home. I don't know if it's okay for me to say this on your show, but you, you can, can say no, no. There's there will be no editing. You can say anything you want, Miss Trisha. The climate that 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 man, and I don't say his name. I don't either. I call him forty-five. I do also. I don't call his name because to me it's like Beetlejuice. You say it too many times mm-hmm. and it pops up out of the damn ground. I was home last year in April with the Norwegian band, with Sula, to do the French Quarter Festival. I did not want to go to the States, but the band had gotten funding and stuff for the trip because we were also gonna, they also wanted to record with some New Orleans musicians. So we got funding to make the trip. And as a, an extra bonus, I got us booked on the French Quarter Festival. We were only in New Orleans for seven days. We got there and they stayed, you know, we got a, a Airbnb house for the band. I stayed with my mom. Of course. I needed to run some errands and I went to a local drugstore to get some things. I was home three days. This is, this, three is, days. this is in the city, in New Orleans. In the city. Yes. I was home for three days at this point. I had only been there three days. I'm standing in Walgreens and I'm holding my, you know, a handful of stuff that I wanted. It's a drugstore. There's a guy standing behind me with a, a push trolley. Mm-hmm. Why you need that in a little bitty drugstore? I'm not sure. But he had like four things in a push trolley. Little small white guy. And I'm standing there in line. He's behind me and he bumped into my heels with his push trolley. Yeah, yeah. Now, it could have been an accident. I don't know, but I turned around and just kind of looked at him like, dude, I know you you see me standing here. (laughs) I just turned around and looked at him. Uh He looked right in my face and said, nigga, shut up and turn around. Wow. And that was my expression. This is 2016, not 1916. No, this wasn't 2016. This was just last year. 
Oh, I'm sorry. This was after. Okay, last year. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is 2019. See, and that goes back to the boldness that those kind That's of people have. They're about. bold yes. now. They feel that I, in all of my years, the last time somebody called me that in New Orleans, I was in the second grade, and it wasn't even in New Orleans. It was a field trip to out like an outskirts little small town. Uh huh. And I got to be 50 years old and have some little tiny guy who I could tell by his accent wasn't even from New Orleans. Look at me and tell me, nigga, shut up and turn around. Amazing. I went, wow. What did you do? Did you say anything back? You know, I've had to. Okay, tell me. Tell me what you said. I was like, first of all, you obviously don't realize you in the hood right now. I could beat you into a bloody mangled mess because I'm going to be back on the plane to Norway in a couple of days. Ain't nothing <laughs> you can do. I said, but I'm not trying to go to jail right now. I'm really not trying to go to jail right now. I'm not one of those kind of people that are going to film you and put it on Facebook crying about it right. because I have been called worse by better people than you. I was like, but keep it up and I will put my hands on you. I uh -huh. will. Uh -huh. I'm not above putting my hands on you for disrespecting me. He promptly, and then when the cashier started, you know, little, little young hood girl, she started taking off her earrings and stuff to come from behind the counter. <laughs> he promptly left his little things and, and left. I love it. She, she was like, Miss, I'm so sorry. She said, You might not hit him, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> so this dude was in the wrong neighborhood. This dude was in the yeah, wrong neighborhood. Like, you, you picked the wrong person in the wrong place. I was like, because I will leave you a bloody mess in here and be back on the plane to Norway before you know it. <laughs> and they're going to have a hard time trying to describe you because he's going to be unconscious re relatively quick. So how's he going to describe you? People who say things like that, we all look alike to them. <laughs> you got that right. You know this. <laughs> Is. He'd be like, she was about in her 20s. No, baby. <laughs> Thank you, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no, darling. Oh, that's awesome. And so those <sighs> things right there make my decision to be from New Orleans. And not from America. And not from America so easy. It's sad, but it's so. And I know there are going to be some expats who find, you know, who, who take issue with that. If you do, then you really don't see the problem. I believe that people should be allowed to have their own individual reality, but for them to deny yes. someone else's experience and their reality is an exercise in extreme arrogance and ignorance. Yes. yes. Uh, you know, these things happen to us. They are a part of our experience and, 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 it doesn't matter how how loud a certain demographic wants to shout it down. These things happen, and it changes yes. the way people think. It changes it, it. It messes with it messes with one's loyalty to America, because America yes. is supposed to be this all inclusive society. Right? It's built on immigrants. It's built on immigrants, and some people have forgotten that. Some people, some people have forgotten that in the course of only one generation. Some of them have parents themselves who came from another country, but they've forgotten that. 
and they're, they're so out quickly and they're out there on social media they're out there at these different rallies and whatnot uh preaching that anti-immigrant stance and i don't understand it i don't understand it there was a lady yelling and screaming somebody had a video and i try to avoid those videos as much as possible but i just found it ironic there was a lady yelling and screaming about how, you know, and I am an American and we have rights and these damn immigrants. Her name was Consuela Sanchez. Hello. I was like, are you, are you serious? Just say your name slowly. <laughs> Listen to that. Just yeah. Say it slowly. With the right inflection, please. And then think. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious right now? <laughs> it's crazy. Another one. Ted Cruz. That guy. The biggest anti-immigrant. First of all, he was born in Canada. That's the first you. thing. Thank you. His daddy came to the United States illegally from Cuba. It's like, <laughs> and he is the biggest anti-immigrant. It's like the self-hate. The self-hate. Well, it's incredible. It, well, yeah, it goes back to what we were saying about, or what I was saying about how I think a lot of racists, they don't really believe what they're saying. I think they're hurting. I think they feel less than, so they have to overcompensate, and that overcompensation leads to their racist uh, ideology that they don't even exactly. truly believe. I don't believe that they truly believe that ideology. Ted Cruz, one of them. He's not a stupid man. No. He's got a brain, you know, he can say some things that sound <laughs> at least halfway intelligent. So what is it that makes him stand there and, and, and take such an anti-immigrant stance when he is the direct product of, again, he's one who has forgotten in less than a generation. He has forgotten his own immigrant, the, the immigrant status in his family. He's forgotten. Yes. Yes. So this it's is, so it's, so it's gotten to the point where you can say, with no regrets, uh, with no doubt, you can say that you just don't feel that America is doing right by you. No, mm. I can say that. I can say, yeah. I Clear conscience, no, uh, no regrets. Clear conscience, no regrets. I need to, to keep all of my American paperwork until I can get my mom over here and settled with me where she's safe <laughs> and where she'll be taken care of. And, and I understand that. I guess yeah. if, if I didn't have, you know, my mother is there, uh, still, still there in the States. I have uh, my aunt. I have an uncle, my sister, my sister's daughter. I have two grandkids and a daughter. So I have, yeah. I still have a strong family connection there. But I, sometimes I try to rationalize my way out of it. And, and you know, because I, ha I still have family there. But I am extremely disappointed myself with what is happening in America. It oh, doesn't I have stand, a huge family. It doesn't stand, it doesn't, I don't think America stands for what it says it should stand for on paper. And that right. hurts, that hurts me. Yes. That hurts me. I'm not ashamed to say that. It hurts me. It's, it's disappointing. Uh, and it hurts me. But I guess, I guess I'm hanging in there because I truly hope I can't say that I believe this president is going to be gone in November, but I hope he is. Because I don't I, think he is. I, so I, you know what? I guess I'm leaning more towards uh, the fact that he probably will stay. Yeah. I think that there are enough people and there's enough corruption in the system. Uh, you know, people can call it a conspiracy theory if they want. 
but Russia, Russia, voter, Russia messed voter with suppression our suppression is real. Voter suppression is very real, and Russia had something to do with the last election. I don't care what people say. They proved That's it. not a conspiracy. Yeah, they proved it. Thank you. So I do believe that those two elements are large enough to keep this man in the White House for another term. Yes. And then I will question if I can manage to hold out my desire to remain an American citizen. I might take the step. The thing is, is that I can still go and visit like a tourist, like everybody else. I can go and see my family. And I'm not trying to stay at a over three months anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm cool with the 90 days thing visiting as a tourist. I am perfectly okay with standing in that extra long line at the airport yeah. when you don't have an American passport. I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I have the patience of Joe, baby. I can stand in that line with 375 people with my arms folded, just as content and sweating. I can do it. <laughs> I love it. You know, I, <laughs> I guess I, I won't go so far as to say that I would give up my American citizenship if he remains president, but I would definitely uh, start taking the steps to get my Norwegian citizenship so that I'm that much closer to being in a position yes. to, to, to eventually possibly drop my American citizenship. And I say that with caution because I'm still struggling with the fact that this man is our president. Well, I don't claim him. I, I, I say not he my president. Mine. He ain't mine. <laughs> I will. It's like DL Hughley says, I will never claim a bigot. You can but I will never claim a big bigot ever. Exactly. So these people who, 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 who claim him as their president, you know, go right ahead. That's their choice. But I, I can't do it. I can't nope. do it. And that's not whining. That's not liberal tears and all that stuff. Okay. He won. He's the president. You can question the methods by which he won, but okay. He is the president, but I don't claim him as my president. I can't. Nope. I have a prime minister, a king and a queen. Thank you. <laughs> have you? And uh, I don't know. And I don't often, I don't all, always agree with the prime minister here, but you know what? She is not trying to burn this bad boy to the ground. Well, you have to look at some of the things that that <laughs> you have to look at some of the things that 45 is doing. And it seems to be a conscious effort to mess up our country. To create a new civil war. Yeah. Yeah. To me, with the liberate, liberate and getting people to stand outside of places with guns and yell at elect, like duly elected officials, that is a call for, to create an environment for a new civil war. And I want no parts of that madness. He incited armed rebellion when he says liberate Michigan yes. and says that there's many good people. Those are good people standing there with these uh, guns in front of the, the Capitol building in uh, in, in uh, Michigan. That right there is one of the most unpresidential things that he has ever done. Because he and he's is, done so many. He's done so many. But that is one of that that's probably the most recent large scale unpresidential thing that he's ever did to actually openly say liberate, you know, with the intention of getting people to rise up and take weapons. Yes. Uh, it's amazing. It just it just it just blows my mind. But I, I have a little question for you. And I posted to my husband when he saw these pictures, my Norwegian husband, he saw these pictures and video 
of these crazy people screaming, holding assault rifles in front of these places across the United States. And he's like, this is, this is crazy. He said, first of all, if they're protesting, why do they have guns? Why do they have military-grade weapons? I said, no. You want to know what my question is? How long you think that foolishness was last, would last if they look like me? Well, you see what happened in uh, California. I cannot, I don't know exactly what year it was, but it's when uh, President Reagan was the governor of California. There was a radical, so-called radical black element that rose up and showed up on the front steps of the Capitol building in Sacramento. What did Reagan do? He immediately pushed through regulation banning those weapons. Exactly. Can't remember what year it was, but it was one of the. It was the during his time thing as governor. Happened with the Black Panthers. Exactly. Like, oh, same there's thing. There's a right to bear arms. So we're, we're bearing arms, and then they make gun control it things happen. Exactly. So it's a selective. If they look like us. This not would not be an issue. It's a selective application of law uh, that's put in place to raise one element and suppress another. Exactly. The the one thing I would love to see is more gun legal gun ownership by black people in America, and we start doing the same. Uh, some of us are going to die. <laughs> because they, yeah. they will they will let the but bullets watch how quickly the laws will change exactly when it happens exactly because i don't have a problem with gun ownership legal <clears throat> gun ownership and i would like to see a lot more regulation there is nothing in the second amendment that's that says that gun ownership should not be regulated so that exactly. it is made into a more responsible thing because it's not and responsible who not in the military needs an assault weapon? Exactly, exactly. Who you know, needs well, you know, and then, then there's a lot to debate about what is what constitutes an assault weapon, but the point is is there are certain freedoms of gun ownership that are um actively suppressed in certain demographics of our country, meaning black people. It is a completely different uh, view that is put when it's a black man holding that same kind of weapon that a white man holds. And that's not right. There's something wrong with that. And, and yes. I challenge anybody to come on this podcast and tell me I'm wrong. There is a different, that, that situation is handled totally different according to what skin color the gun holder has. I challenge they anybody to, to debate that. The cops shoot black children holding cans of soda and packs of candy. Yeah. When they think it might be might a gun. Be a gun. Yeah. Imagine that all of those screaming, heavily armed people in front of those places were black. It would not be handled the same way. And there is nobody on this planet that can tell me I am wrong about this. Period. My Norwegian husband, the moment that I said, what do you think would happen if those people looked like me? He said, oh, they would probably kill me. He knew. He knew. He sees the history of it. He sees the logic yes. of it. He sees it. Yes. Just like any clear thinking person would see it. So I, I challenge anyone to come on and, and try and debate that issue with me. 
Thank you. I'll be I will be there front and center with popcorn and tea, baby, to hear that. Hey, I'm, be- I'm becoming more comfortable with technology. So maybe we can have like a four, a three way uh, video yes. video debate on some of these issues here. I can tell you how to do Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I had uh, downloaded Zoom, uh, but I had to erase it because it was taking up too much disk space on my on my laptop. It does. It takes up a lot. I was trying to upload some of my podcasts and it wasn't working. I figured out I had so little disk space because of Zoom being on there. So I had to take it away. So I haven't tried Zoom yet. You can also use it on phones and things. I've been I've been using it on my phone and then I wipe the cachet. I'm afraid of my phone. Stuff I don't need to keep. Yeah, I'm afraid of my phone. I think it's listening to me. I hate technology. I don't like it. It is. (laughs) It is listening to you. But I'm not saying anything that I can't. You know, I don't because I have I have a whole smart home system set up. I got Google Home all over my house. And somebody was like, it's listening to you all the time. If they listen to the inane foolishness I talk about every day inside of my house, God bless them. I tell I I tell people that all the time. You know, when they get into this thing, oh, the government, man, the government's watching you. I'm like, well, let them watch. What are they seeing here? I don't have anything to hide. But the same people who say that, they post everything they do in their life on Facebook. The government <laughs> exactly. don't have to listen to you. You telling them what you're doing. La- and ladies, the government knows what kind of underwear some of y'all wear from Instagram. <laughs> some of these pictures on Instagram. <laughs> exactly. So- <laughs> they literally know what you have for breakfast, what you have for dinner, and where you are at every moment because you check in. Everywhere. No, yeah, I'm at yeah, Starbucks and then you take a picture yeah, of your coffee. Yeah. Oh, they're listening to me. They don't have yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't I haven't done the Google, the home Google thing or Siri or whatever those things are called, Alexa or whatever them things are called. Uh not because I'm afraid of them, but it's because I don't understand. I'm telling you, technology if if it involves more than a hammer and nail, I, I it's not gonna work. It doesn't work. If I if I have to download something, it never works the first time. If I have to put something together, it never works the first time. Something so simple will turn into a days long project. I have in my uh, I'm, I'm sitting in my in my music studio now. I have a update to my digital audio workstation that I bought to update it uh, about a year and a half ago. I tried to update it once and I sat, I'm not kidding you, I sat in front of my computer for about 14 hours trying to upload that and I quit. So I'm sitting here with the same, <laughs> I'm sitting here with the same outdated equipment because I'm just, I just can't, I just can't, I can't. There's YouTube videos for everything. Yeah, but, no, there's no YouTube videos for me. I've tried that. <laughs> there's there's YouTube videos for everyone except for me. <laughs> it's so funny. I've I've nerded out so big in here. You know, I've, I've I've always been super nerdy with the graphic stuff, building websites. You know, oh, you're uh, into making that. Okay. flyers and and you know and placards for concerts and making you know cool little video clips to advertise gigs and taking all of the small videos and stuff. That stuff I've always nerded out big. Cool. This music tech stuff that I'm having to do now, this was a challenge. But I have a music store that's right down the street from my house, Music Target, and all of the guys in there are good friends of mine. Plus the guy who works in the back. The serious well, techno nerd that guy that's who in the back, yeah, instruments yeah. and all that stuff. That's the guy He's that made me homemade cables and stuff. Wow, look at that! 
homemade wide off to have so I can push on air and, and help me with my streams and things so that's, like that. So, so that's the guy that sits in the back. He comes to work maybe two hours early and stays a couple hours late. That's the guy. That's the guy. That's the guy. You know, I, we, I tell him this is what I'm doing. And he's like, okay, tell me the unit you have. I tell him the unit. He pulls it up on the screen. He looks at what it is. He's like, okay, what you need is, is a wire that does this and this and that. They don't make that wire. So I'm going to make one for you. Wow. How's that for service? Yes. So he made a cable for me <laughs> that will plug in stere and give me stereo sound from like an instrument cord and turned it into something I can plug into my iPad so that my piano player's music will go directly into the stream for me to sing along with. Wow. Now that's some yeah, good service. Yeah, so you have to count on the nerdy of other people very often. See, I need to change my mindset because I can go back to when I first got into building up my home studio. And of course, I had, I had a lot of problems getting everything set up. So I, was, I, I remember being on the phone a lot with the people at the at the at the music store, and yeah. and in all seriousness, I want to give a shout out to him because they did help me. But there was this one guy, and I was on the phone so often with so many problems. It got to be, you know, he would answer the phone, and I'd tell him, "Yeah, hi, this is John," and he'd be like, "Yeah, hi, John." And it would be that long drawing in a breath that, ah, "Yeah, hi, John." <laughs> so I was that guy. I was that customer. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is though is that i always my new orleans thing when i call up like when i told him i said i i call it call up and they answer and i'm like hi this is trisha Boutte. and they're like hi trisha and i'm like how you doing babe yeah yeah so this is what's going on and i'm about to cry and they're like don't cry what is it that you're trying to do <laughs> i explain to them and i give them the cry i don't i don't do all the whole lady foolishness with it. Well, this doohickey, no. I tell them I have this unit. I got such and such plugged into an XLR and I got this plugged into that. And what I'm trying to do is, is send the music from the iPad directly into the stream. You just tell them straightforward, straightforward what the this issue is. This is what is. I'm yeah. trying to do. Yeah. Tell me what it, help me. Tell yeah. me what it, what it is I need to do. Yeah. And they help me. That's some good service. That or you get a real nerdy friend who just really loves doing that stuff and bring <laughs> yeah. them over, give, you know, give them some beers. Or feed them a little, dinner. yeah. Feed them and, yeah. Yeah, feed them, give them a little, give them a couple of beers. And, and then say, turn them loose, yeah. Do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> Be free. No, I, 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 get that. I get good service as well. They give me great advice and they guide me through these things, but, but I do have a tendency to just mess up these technological things, you know, you know, wires and stuff like this. I, I, I it's like giving a caveman a lighter <laughs> when he's used to building a fire <laughs> with a couple of sticks. What's See, he going to do? That's like me with, with flat packs from Ikea. Okay. Yeah. I open up the package. I look at the idiot directions <laughs> and then I cry. <laughs> See, I don't mess with that stuff. My my, and actually, I, and I was gonna say, I, I leave that stuff to my wife, but she doesn't even mess with that. We, I don't think, no, but I don't, I, and, and she's Norwegian, <clears throat> but I don't think we have a single piece of IKEA furniture in this house. Everything we have, and this is gonna make it sound like I'm living in squalor, but <laughs> everything we have is secondhand when it comes to furniture here. My wife is a genius at picking out, you know, finding these good deals on used pieces of furniture. Uh, and she's, our, our home is beautifully decorated, but I don't think there's a single piece of new furniture here. The thing is, is that 
like our dining room table and chairs and stuff like that. I found them at a secondhand place. Uh But the thing I loved about it is it's real. Yeah. It's not press board. It's not particle board. It's It's real. You feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's made with craftsmanship. That's why it already lasted for 20 years. Well, there's a certain, I love that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, there's a certain attractiveness and comfort in those old pieces like that. Yes. But, uh, but my, my wife is a genius at that stuff. She, uh, you can see some of these uh, tapestries and the paneling and stuff in my, in my studio. That's her. She designed all yeah. this. So, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But see, the thing is, we like our, uh, the outdoor furniture. Now, yeah. in our area, there is no Ikea. No. Because, you know, this this part of Norway that I am in, they are the furniture-making mecca. Ekornes and, and Longlo furniture and all that stuff. All right. that stuff in Sletvold, that's here. right there, yeah. They don't want Ikea's inexpensive <laughs> furniture nowhere in this area. Well, you guys so are used to quality. Ikea's here. Or Trondheim and Bergen. Well, you guys are used to, to quality then. I, you know, hats yeah. off to Ikea. You know, they're doing what they do. They're making their money. But I, I don't see I don't see the quality in their products. And I, I guess now that I've said that, I can forget about Ikea ever being a sponsor on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> their kitchen stuff is awesome. Is it? Okay. Their, their kitchen setups are really, really nice, actually. And the thing is, it's outstanding also for, for you know, new, new young homeowners. Yeah, I would imagine it's it's, it's yeah, yeah yeah it's affordable. It's affordable, sure, sure. And yeah. they got they have really cool cups and plates and glasses and things like that. But I'm not driving all the way to Trondheim or Bergen no, to get no, those. No, <laughs> you know, in, in, I get a secondhand store. There you go. Well, I think the secondhand furniture is it's just better quality. It's more comfortable. And, you know, we talk about Ikea being affordable, but uh, nothing's more affordable than going on the, 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 the market on finn.no Finn. and getting something for free. <laughs> nothing, nothing is cheaper <laughs> than that. <laughs> yes. Listen, Miss Trisha, let's yes. wind this down. Now, you are, you are going, um, you're going live on a live what do you call that? A live stream. Me and my technology. Yeah, a live yeah. stream. It's called <laughs> from yeah. your from your personal website. I'll put a link to that in the comments when I post this. And this will be Friday at Friday. Uh, this Friday night at eight p.m. Norway time. Friday at eight p.m. Norway time. And I'll put up a link so everybody can see it and find it easily. I hope you get a lot of uh, viewers. I hope you... We hope so, too. Now, there will also be a... excited about this. There will also be a way for them to donate uh, through PayPal, correct? Uh, PayPal and VIPS. And VIPS, VIPS, which is the Norwegian uh, telephone uh, donation type of thing. Um, I tell you, you came highly recommended by a common friend that we have. I'm so glad I got to talk to you. Talking to you makes me feel more at home. You know, I've had a lot of guests... Um, some from back home in the States, most of them from Norway, Yeah, but I really enjoyed this. You, you, I don't know. You remind me of home. You remind me of family. Thank you so much. It was fun for me too. It's fun sitting down talking with a fellow United States, sir. I, 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 I might be a little bit watered down, but uh, talking about identity, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I still got my feet in the United States so oh, far. Yeah. 
We'll see what yes. happens now with a couple of elections going forward. I might yeah, be, we'll see. I might be joining you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. But I want to wish you the best of luck on Friday, and I want to wish you the best of luck going forward. I know these are hard times for musicians. Um, we we are not getting the exposure that we used to. Uh, you know, our our gigs are getting canceled. Yes. So the best of luck to you going forward. Same here, and I hope to meet you in the real world sometime in the near future. Well, you you let me know if you ever get down in this part of the country. I will make sure I find time to come see you. Fantastic. Um, you know, eventually things are going to open up again. Eventually, and you'll get back yes. on you'll get back on the road. And you just let me know when you're when you're coming anywhere close. I'll even travel a little bit. I'll travel a little bit to come see you. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> So everybody, I want to thank everybody to listening to this. This has been a great talk with uh, the fabulous Trisha Boutte. Thank you, Trisha. A pleasure. Okay, bye everybody. I'm coming home. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Yes, I am, my Lord. Lord, I'm coming home